What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Mr. Miggity Miggity Mac, and with me tonight is my great friend, Dr. Diamond Doug. Triple D! Quick reminder, you can find us on AdventuresInVideoLand.com or on our Facebook at AdventuresInVideoLand. We are critics with attitude. In many of the AV podcasts, you'll hear some bad language. That's not really our style, so we'll try to keep the PG-13. Mild language and artistic nudity. That's right. Also, spoiler alert, if you don't want tonight's movie ruined, pause the episode, watch the movie, and come back later. With that said, tonight we'll be talking about Pantheon nomination number four for 2020, Schindler's List. Nominated by Matthew Wade, with guest voter Zach Applesteed Brown. Also affectionately known by us as Captain No. Before we get to any of that, let's chat about Pantheon. Dr. Diamond Doug, what is Pantheon to you? Sure, Pantheon is what uh, members of the council like to refer to as the special shelf of movies. A special it, shelf. It is. Uh, it refers to movies that hit on all cylinders. Acting, directing, script, score, cinematography, special effects, and uh, uh, essential viewing. Best of its genre. Yeah, best of its genre. Uh, I had a little pause there because I inadvertently picked up your glass... No, uh, and, and and I I came very very close to actually taking a sip before I put it back down. Uh, yeah. But uh, you keep yours over there, yeah. and I'll keep. Oh, mine. Let, let me grab it oh, by the bottom. Hold on, yeah, grab here. it by the rear end. Oh, such a beautiful nice. tone. We this evening are drinking Hennessy. Hennessy, very special cognac because mm. it is. It is uh, prominently featured throughout the film. Many, many times. They yeah. try to hide it. Yeah. They try to hide it, but it is there. It is there. All right. So we'll do a quick rundown of the movies that we've looked at so far. Sure. With our previous Pantheon votes. We're on the fourth episode. We've had three so far. We've done Won't You Be My Neighbor. Which is in with nine of 11 votes. We looked at The Apartment. Which is not in. It only got three votes. And we looked at Psycho. In with eight of 11. That's right. And uh, we called each of those so far. I think we did. I think we nailed them all. We can go back and replay, but I'm pretty <clears> sure <throat> that we hit all three of those. Right, how about a little foreplay, Doug? Sure. I gave you a couple of options for foreplay you on the bottom. You did. You did. Uh, let's, let's do this one. What were you doing in 1993, the year Schindler's List was released? Sure. Uh, so I was graduating from high school, mm -hmm. and then actually when it was released, because it was released in December, I would have been in my freshman year of college yep. uh, over at Trinity Christian College, and this was about a month and a half before uh, I started dating my would-be now wife. Wife, yeah. In 1993, I was a father of two, working my, at the moment, the time, skinny, skinny little butt off. Uh, paying my dues and becoming a uh, techno expert um, in the early days of networking and data communication and all that boring stuff. That's where I was doing. We were building a family. Yeah. Building doing your family. computer stuff before you started teaching. Long, well, you know what? Actually, I had started teaching by then, but I wasn't teaching at the college level or professionally. All right. So, and, and uh, uh, so you 
told me earlier today, and, I, and, and uh, you're probably going to want to stop me from saying this, mm. but you told me earlier today that you, uh, because of the coronavirus scares, Purdue is going all to online. Yeah. This is probably one of the last lectures that you were having with your I class. I did. 212 students, or 211 students 200 plus, plus you. plus, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that you ended your lecture and you got a standing ovation from your students. <laughs> this, this happened twice in my life, the same class. Usually it's in, the, last time it was teaching at the end Python. of the class. C, teaching or C, C programming teaching actually. C, but right? yeah. And these are a bunch of uh, engineers. It was a weird, weird experience. And you said you had, a, after class, there was a line of 35 to 40 it, I, people who stopped and wanted to thank you. I had a receiving line. It was like like the end of Schindler's it List. So where they were putting a rock. rock. I, I left with a backpack <laughs> full of rocks. It was so Beautiful, strange. happy, <sighs> wonderful weird. rocks. And, 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 was, I, and I told you... Uh, and I told you, well, uh, the only reason that happened was because you were freaking amazing in every possible way. It makes me so embarrassed. I really had a good time teaching this class. And not to get too far off to off topic, but I had a great time teaching this class, and it was it was amazing. But there was this kind of weird emotion, and I've seen it expressed by several of my friends on Facebook, who are also out, common friends, who are uh, uh, instructors at, at the university as well, expressing. A uh, sadness. The sadness that this is like the last time they're probably going to see yeah. their students in person. And we still have to finish the semester. we got like eight weeks But we've left. been developing for nine weeks, developing yeah. a relationship that then we just found out yesterday is it's done. Over. Yeah. So now we have a whole new relationship <clears throat> with our students for the rest of the semester. It was a weird thing. But yeah. it, was, uh, it was an interesting, almost cathartic moment of like, oh, you know what? This is going to be okay. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I know you didn't want me necessarily to mention that, but I, I have did. to because I want to highlight the awesomeness of my friend. But also, <laughs> also that we have a special celebration of somebody that people loved and the movie we're looking at yes. tonight. Yes. Uh, that um, even though he was a mixed character in terms of having different foibles and, yeah, and that sort of he stuff. He started off as kind of a sleazy yeah. character, but, taking uh, advantage of a situation. But, but he was much beloved by the by the people that, that he was able to save uh, from the yeah. from the gas chambers yeah. of, of Auschwitz. Yeah, or so. the random the random sniper rifles yeah. and the, the weirdness that was uh, yeah. World War Two. Anyway, uh, let's let's go ahead and go down a synopsis. All right, of the let's movie. talk about some movie facts about Schindler's List. It is a rated R uh, drama, historical drama, directed by uh, Steven Spielberg with the screenplay by Steven Zeiland. Uh, Zeiland, yeah, yeah. Who also did Awakenings, Clear and Present Danger, Mission Impossible, Gangs of New York, and a bunch tons of, of movies. Yeah. Right, based on Sandler's arc by Thomas uh, Keneally. And produced by Spielberg, along with Gerald uh, Molin, who did Hook, Rain Man, and a bunch of A lot of, of big names, yeah. Branko Lustig. Lustig. Don't know that name, but I'm sure if Spielberg worked with him, I'm sure he's some kind of major dealio. Music by John Williams, which makes sense. Never heard of the man. Spielberg and, and uh, some guy <laughs> named Williams have done a lot of stuff together, I think. We saw the, and we saw the next two names when we were talking about pri Saving Private Ryan yes, with which Spielberg. We'll come back and touch on Saving Private but Ryan Janus again. Kaminsky, uh, that he was did cinematography, mm -hmm. and then it was edited by Michael Kahn. That's right. And he was in theaters, released in December 15th, 1993. Uh, most people probably actually saw it either right around Christmas or after the first of the year. Uh, it has actually been released twice. Again, we'll touch on that a little bit later. 
Uh, runtime was 195 a minutes. A beefy three hours and 17 minutes. I long. was gonna say so, yeah. a svelte 195 yeah, well, minutes, but that's you're in not love with true. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so yeah, I would watch those all back to back. Amblin Entertainment, uh, again, not a big surprise considering. Uh, a little fun fact of this: Amblin Entertainment has the ET riding yes. across the moon as a logo, mm-hmm. which they it shows. And Amblin is the name of the fi- a film that Spielberg did, but they uh-huh. didn't use that logo on this film because no. they didn't want to ki- make a kitch it up. Yeah, you know? they didn't. They they were trying to make sure the seriousness of the of the topic was not um, mo- was not affected and distributed through United Pictures Uni- Universal Universal sorry, Pictures Universal Pictures where uh, I, was I do believe that uh, when we were looking at Psycho we were saying that it was a Paramount picture but it was filmed at Universal right. on their lot and Universal actually kind of provided some assistance yeah. there too so. yeah yeah well he was heading over there it was starring uh, this uh, uh, Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson, and Ralph Fiennes. I always want to say Fiennes, yeah, but I'm sure it's Fiennes. And Ben Kingsley, who, by the way, I always forget, he's one of my top five. You love him. I really like Ben Kingsley in just almost anything. He is a Swiss Army knife of actors, a uh, character actor. He really is, and, yeah. and I really like him a lot. Um, so, uh, synopsis yeah, from IMDb it. in in German. Occupied Poland during World War II, industrial Oscar Schindler uh, gradually becomes concerned for his Jewish workforce after witnessing their persecution by the Nazis. And then it doesn't say in this uh, this synopsis, but then goes on to uh, work for their safety. He does. That he does. <clears throat> All right. So when we're looking at the ratings and reviews uh, for this, uh, for the ratings, IMDb has this at an 8.9 out of 10. Metacritic has it at 94. Universal Acclaim, which was just a little bit less than the uh, Psycho, but uh, it has more users that they're aggregating a score for with 8.7 user score. Rotten right. Tomato, 97% fresh. With a matching audience score. Matching audience score. And Google has it at 94%. Who like it? Yeah. So, you know, some of those numbers, by the way, they surprised me a little bit because of the length of the movie and because of the... Because of the content of the story, they don't hold back from the brutality. They no. they lay it all out and, there. Uh, even Some Steve, people would be uncomfortable watching this movie, I'm sure. Yeah, and we'll get to we'll get to the numbers later. Yeah. But even Steven Spielberg did not expect this to be a commercial success. No, I think he was just trying to make sure he told a story. It, it's part of his culture. It is, and he wanted to tell that story. Uh, but but he was yeah. But he, but. He, in interviews with him that he he'll he'll admit I was not expecting this to be a commercial right. success as it was. All right, some reviews. Uh, Ebert review uh, was fairly lengthy, but a little a little selection from there. Uh, he gave it four four stars. Oscar Schindler would have been an easier man to understand if he'd been a conventional hero fighting for his beliefs. We actually don't really know what his beliefs were besides capitalism. Yeah, the fact that he was a he was flawed, <clears throat> a drinker, a gambler, a womanizer. Driven by greed and a lust for high living, makes his life an enigma. What is most amazing about this film is how completely Spielberg serves his story. The movie is brilliantly acted, written, directed, and seen. Individual scenes are masterpieces of art direction, cinematography, special effects, crowd control. Yet, Spielberg, the stylist whose films often have glorified in shots we are intended to notice and remember, disappears into his work. Neeson, Kingsley, and the other actors are devoid of acting flourishes. There's a single-mindedness to the Enterprise that is awesome. There's so much in there to unpack, but two things I just want to point out very quickly. The 
the these big name actors who play huge roles uh, do not do very many of their sort of trademark thing. They, he refers to it as yeah. acting flourishes. Yeah, but they they're so almost into their role as and their roles are very subdued personalities. Liam Neeson uh, plays it very cool very the cool. whole time. Pulls back. And I actually, the first time I saw this movie, did not realize that that was Ben Kingsley. Until oh, yeah. this last time I went, oh my god, that's Ben Kingsley. Yeah, 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 yeah. He doesn't look, I mean, he looks like himself, but he doesn't look like himself. And Ebert puts this on his list of, like, movies you must see. You must see. Yeah. Which, you know, this is one of the things, uh, not to jump ahead, this is one of the things that Pantheon is supposed to be about. Is that these are movies you should see. Yeah. Right? Not just should, but like must. Must. <laughs> must see. Yeah. Uh, so a sampling of some Rotten Tomato reviews, and uh, most of them are, are uh, like like a, like we said before, 97% fresh. Yeah. So most of all of these are, are positive reviews. Sure. I picked four of them. Two of them are negative, but that doesn't reflect the... The uh, ra- the ratio that no, was in there. You just wanted to get a nice yeah. selection of the points of view. Uh, Jay Carr from Boston Globe has it at fresh. It's a stunning achievement, a film that recreates the Holocaust, not as something abstract, but as felt knowledge. I see that. Michael Wilmington <clears throat> from the Chicago Tribune rates it as fresh. With seemingly effortless grace and skill, Schindler's List balances fear and exaltation, humor and horror, love and death. It evokes superbly a time of savagery and grief, and the inexplicable, stunning compassion that rises within and against it. And uh, for the two negative reviews that I p- pick, sure. picked up, which are like two of the four that were in the five pages of reviews, right? Uh, were both uh, both were negative because they felt that the movie did not hit on its historicity well enough in okay. one way or the other. The first one is because of its historicity of Oscar Schindler. And mm-hmm. telling his story correctly, right? And the other one is about um, the place of these saved people in light of the Holocaust itself. Uh, right. So, Joan Kaufman, yep. People Magazine, uh, has it at rotten. Despite admirable intentions and the undeniable splendor of his craft, ultimately, what Spielberg has told is the story of the list. He has not told the sc- the story. Of Schindler. If I have a criticism of this movie, it's that Schindler's character, not the performance of it, but the storytelling of his character is shallow. It's a bit underdeveloped. It is. And if I have any criticism, that will be the first one. Uh, and I thought that when I saw the movie, when I repeated watching the movie, uh, that that was something that, <clears throat> that reminded me of something I felt before. So, and this next one, I, like, I wasn't sure what he was going for. It. Yeah, it, it runs along a line. This is this. These are a few lines from a whole page yeah. diatribe. I found this diatribe, Did you? and, and yeah. I felt like the. I I can't say I can't put words in this this Jeremy Hellman's mouth. I can't do that. that. That's unfair. But I almost felt like he was running up against a line that I wouldn't feel comfortable crossing. Yeah. And so, but what he says is that there's no trust here from the director that the audience might draw its own conclusions. Or be able to still fathom the horrors of the Holocaust if the lines between good and bad aren't distinctly drawn. Though Stanley Kubrick has has already perhaps made the definitive criticism of this movie, it's apt enough to repeat Schindler's List was about 200 Jews who lived. The Holocaust is about 6 million Jews 
who died, and he gave it a 33 of 100. Now, uh, it is to note that Kubrick's quote here was in response to the question, do you think Schindler's List was a good Holocaust movie? Right. And he said, I don't think it... I don't think of it as a Holocaust movie. It's a movie about this one guy. It's a movie about Schindler's List yeah. that happens in the Holocaust. Right. So it's not a Holocaust movie. Right. It, even though, and then I've heard other people who were saying uh, in interviews talking about it said, no, you know what? For most people, this is their step into understanding some realities of the Holocaust or seeing what it was like or feeling what it was like, at least through the eyes of the director. Right. 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 Um, in watching this movie... Uh, my wife actually, uh, uh, one time we paused it to, I don't remember, to do what, get refill our drinks or something. And she said, do you think that's how it actually was or do you think they're dramatized? She was talking about like r- randomly just killing this poor person. And I, and I said, no, I fully believe that's exactly what it was like. Yeah. And she said, oh, okay, I guess I never realized that. And yeah. so it, it occurred to me in that moment that her watching this movie, which for her was for the first time, her watching this movie was her learning more about the depths of what was going on than yeah. just like, well, they gathered them together. And they killed a bunch of people. They killed them in a lot of weird and disgusting ways. Yeah. They also just randomly killed them. Yeah. For whatever reason. That, that it was dehumanizing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a couple from the Metacritic uh, reviews. Uh, uh, Metacritic gives, like, Metacritic puts a score on these reviews. Uh, Josh Larson, uh, who I went to high school and uh, who I went to school with, Larson on film, nice. labeled as 100. If Spielberg's account of the Holocaust is not his greatest movie, it's still the most, it's still the defining moment of his career, the point where his yearning to be taken seriously, the color purple, Empire of the Sun, finally fully merged with his filmmaking talents. Mm, that's some high praise there. And uh, this is one of the lower. This is one. This was the lowest one. This is Rita Kempley from the Washington Post. It, uh, it has a it has a, a score of sixty, uh, and she says a ruthlessly unsentimental portrait of a German war profiteer's epiphany that inspires neither sorrow nor pity, but a kind of emotional numbness. And I tell my kids when they say a statement that is subjective like that, mm-hmm. that they should add to me or to for me. me at the end. So like you could read this as that, but a kind of emotional numbness for, for me. me. I got to say that at the end of this movie, uh, and I rewatched the last third, uh, a second, uh, almost immediately a second time. And numbness was, a, was that word rings true in my head yeah. because I felt numb, but it wasn't that uh, it wasn't for the same reason that Rita Kemp was talking about. It was just like, about. I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed yeah. with all the things, yeah. yeah. So, that last scene, the final scene with the stones on the headstone started off as like, oh my God, how many people are there? This is just going to go on and on. And and then you realize, yeah, this went on and yeah. on and on. And, and all on. these people are around because of him. And that becomes impactful. Yeah. Yep. So um, I drew, uh, just like I did with the Rotten Tomato things, I drew uh, some comments here. Most all were positive. But mm. I did, uh, what I did wanted to do here uh, was pull from different, uh, a, a couple of different sources. And one of the interesting thing I found, and there is 1,104 positive user reviews, the whole right. polloi. 67 mixed, 53 negative. And of the ones that were low mixed to very negative, that there was a common theme in there, which was this movie makes the Germans look like they're bad, and the Jews really aren't all that nice and holy. So, it, like, I, and 
this is a this is a minefield of a conversation <laughs> to have, but it's like. I'm sorry. I don't know what response to have to that kind of of a thought process besides a giggle and like, oh my god. And I feel like when I was reading some of them, Mm. that behind it they were like, you know, the Holocaust wasn't as bad as you say it, or doesn't exist, or doesn't exist. People who deny that ever happened. Yeah, and there are Holocaust deniers, of course, and that's a thing. And I and I wonder if there's also moon landing deniers and round and and, uh, uh, spherical Earth deniers. So so. on the top level, Drone 41, 10 out of 10, one of the greatest masterpieces in, in history of cinematography, full of grief, sadness, love, desperation, hope, passion that that, that can't leave you untouched. Mm-hmm. And Monique H. gave it a 5 of 10. I would have to give this film a 5, obviously. It is a spectacular movie, but it only shows one side of the situation. Therefore, I can only rate it half, because it shows half. I do believe that is how some of it went, but Germans weren't as heartless as this movie shows. As they say, there's always two sides to a story, and you may never know which one is true. The, the things that she's saying aren't exactly... Like, you can't argue them. There are two sides to a story. And you can't say that there weren't good Germans in Germany at the time. We know for a fact there were. But this movie was about a concentration camp. Where the people running the camp <laughs> yeah. were doing horrific things. Um, yours truly gave it a three. There. You? You personally? Yeah. Uh, I went to school there will definitely school. there were definitely some profound glimpses of sim- cinematic power in this beloved classic, but it bored the f dash 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 out of me. Well, the, not yours truly, really, Doctor Diamond Doug, just a person who logged not on. Not me. Yours, this truly. was the the viewer, and then you know, we got the bottom. Daryl uh, gave it a zero. It was such a banal film. I think Spielberg. I always want to say banal. I always want to say banal. Every time. I think it's because I want to just say banal. Anyway, it was such a banal film. I think Spielberg rather wanted the audiences to sympathize with the Jews and the Holocaust rather than let the audience enjoy a good story. I don't even know what to do with this (laughs) review. You're like, why can't you make just a fun story about the Holocaust? (laughs) What are you saying? It's springtime for Hitler and Germany. Germany. Oh, my, you know, that one just, it's face down. I never want to read that again. Oh, oh my God. Right? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Oh, okay. Here. Let's let's have some uh, Hennessy. <sighs> let's burn right that there. out of my ears. All right. <clears throat> so, some AV Facebook comments. Joshua Randolph. Great movie. Saw it once and it was super impactful. Never want to see it again. But I think it deserves it hands down. And Joshua, thank you for that. Because, you know, you expressed something that I first thought when I was told this was the next nomination. Same here. I went, oh my gosh, I'm not sure. I don't think I have the strength. I that's watched a quote it in from, 93. That's a quote <laughs> from uh, Mrs. Doubtfire when it's like, oh God, I don't think I have the strength. Yeah. And I felt that way. And I think I even expressed it to you. But I did have the strength. And as I said, I went back and watched the last third again. Yeah. Because I really wanted to get what they were doing there. It wasn't as bad to watch as I thought, but it was emotionally draining, that's for sure. Joshua McLaughlin, it is a haunting yet mesmerizing drama of our history and a tribute to remembering one of the greatest stains upon our globe's past. We need to remember our past to avoid repeating it, and this motion picture is a sobering sobering remedy. A spot in the AV pantheon is more than justified. Now, uh, one of our more uh, uh, <clears throat> vocal vocal, uh, yeah, folk, uh, Alessio, a huge Pasquale, Disney fan. He constantly writes these gigantic, long, very nice. Yeah, so I'm very expressive. Yeah, posts. yeah. No, I'm I'm very excited to hear all of his thought out and well expressed. 
views on whether or not it should be in Pantheon. What did Alessio say? Alessio says, yes. There's a period there. All right, moving on. All right, moving on. <laughs> Scott Perliska did not give it a yes or a no, but said 1993, the year Spielberg dropped two monsters. Boom, boom, double mic drop. Oh. Blah, blah, blah. But what was the other one? Do you know what the other one was? Do you know what it is? I don't know I what it is. I think it might have been dinosaurs. Was it, was it the... Was it Spielberg involved in a little dino movie? I think it was a... I know it was that year. I'm just saying... The Jurassic period film. I know that was the same year. I'm just wondering if that was... That was a Spielberg movie, right? And Chris Hart, a wordsmith. Damn straight. That's right. That's what Chris Hart has to say. Thank you. That's out to Chris Hart. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Alicio. Joshua. Uh, and the other Joshua. Thank you all for your... Joshua and his brother Joshua. And my, my other brother Joshua. Alright, let's talk about how this movie did at the box office. Schindler's List, released 1993, uh, was a 195 minute long movie. We, we mentioned that already. Its domestic box office was $97 million. It has a little asterisk next to it because it was re-released in 2018 and had a, a nice little chunk of change. But total domestic gross, $97 million. $322 million globally which is not a surprise and yeah. this was not specifically an american focused movie made in america obviously but or made by american company but but uh in any case uh, 97 million domestically with a production budget of 22 million that for considering what he ended up with was a pretty slim budget yeah considering what yeah. kind of movie he, he made no yeah the uh and so a bsi uh, our pa patented butts and seats index butts and six with an average ticket price in 1993 of four dollars 14 cents a butts and seats index is 23.4 million it's a rounded number 23.4 million viewers domestic of schindler's list domestic yeah by comparison i and i i very carefully picked yeah. some movies in, in several different categories <clears throat> so that was a direct competition uh, Oscar competitor to Schindler's List was The Fugitive. You'd think that wasn't a com uh, like why is that a comparison? Same year, same Oscar list, same yeah. same quality. 130 minutes, much shorter movie. Domestic gross 184 million. Did better domestically. 369 million globally. Yeah. Did better globally. A better commercial success. Yeah, but uh, twice the budget. 44 yeah. million dollar budget, but still average ticket price same four dollars and fourteen cents. 44.4 million viewers. Of the fugitive, respectable people like Han Solo. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The pianist. I picked this one because while it's which one? Pianist. 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 Okay. The person who plays the pian. Yeah. yeah piano. piano. Yeah. Uh, came out almost a decade later, 2002. But uh, based in Poland during World War II, a, a common a commonality in their stories. Uh, that's where the commonality stops. But the U.S. box office was 32.6 million, with 120 million globally. Uh, production budget of $35 million and took that global sales to push that one over the top. Butts and Seats Index with an average ticket price in 2002 of $5.81 is $5.6 So they didn't yeah. do as well, but and still... From, the, from what I was saying before, mm -hmm. that this is probably more what Steven Spielberg was thinking was going to happen with his movie. Right, he wouldn't lose money, like, but... He got, you know, $32.6 million domestic... And his budget was thirty five. He made it up in in internet, you know, international yeah, and, global. and global, but he wasn't not not necessarily expecting a huge runaway. Right, right, yeah. Saving Private Ryan, also a Spielberg movie, nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety eight, hundred sixty nine minutes, and by the way, uh, a Pantheon movie. Yeah, 
Uh, domestic gross, 217 million, 482 million globally, with a production budget of 70 million. Much bigger movie, a lot more special effects, a lot of a lot more uh, um, um, uh, locations. Yeah, and all yeah, yeah. Stuff. Average ticket price in '98 of four dollars sixty nine cents. Forty six point three million butts in seats. He beat out what the Fugitive did there as far as viewing, and, and did d- double what he had for viewership for Schindler's List. Um, but uh, but you know that kind of kind of plays along with the Spielberg line, like that's what he does. Yeah. And then I picked from nineteen forty three. Yeah. Casablanca. Also in Pantheon, 102 minutes, uh, domestic gross of 4.1 million, only 4.4 million globally, but again, we're talking about 1943, so distribution was different. Production budget of 950,000, very, very tight, and an average ticket price of 27 cents in 1943. They had a respectable 15.2 million viewers uh, in the U.S., uh, with Casablanca, also a World War II storyline. Yeah, you know, you, you know what? And we don't have the numbers for this, and it did not do as well. The mm-hmm. 1972 uh, nomination we were looking at of Cabaret, because when I was watching, I thought about comparing did with you, Cabaret, yeah, well, but I didn't pull the yeah, numbers. Yeah, yeah. I should have grabbed the numbers. The uh, the um, but, that here but the, the fact cabin. 1939 when Schindler's List started right. and Cabaret was ending in 39, mm-hmm. like it, it, it was it was kind of like the same time period. And I was thinking as Germany was transitioning, like in my head, I went, oh. This movie is happening, but like down the street, cabaret, cabaret is, is happening. happening, and also, cap, you know, like then, not yet, Captain Steve Rogers is still a skinny man, still a skinny who, man, uh, has not been has not been turned into <laughs> Captain America. Yeah, no, I thought about I thought about but I cabaret. did put, away, put together cabaret in, in this. In I my, thought my about head. cabaret, and then and then and then I I, I got I, I got going down this this thread of. Uh, Oscar competitors, Spielberg movies, yeah, 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 and then uh, common storylines. But still, the idea here is that uh, Schindler's List did very well for for getting the Oscars, all of the Oscars they won. I don't, it's four or five, um, it, however many they won. Yeah, no, it was nominated for like eleven and got six. There we or go, something like six. That. I almost yeah. nailed it. Just so close, so close. But but the point is, re- regardless of that, it was a financial success. It was a financial success, not success, not just because it was a Spielberg movie, but because it's a good movie. But I can tell you, in '93, a three, almost three and a half hour movie was not a popular, a common thing. If you remember when Titanic came out, uh, people were like, like yeah. packing a sack lunch. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. So uh, anyway, all right. So that's a nice comparison. Let's do a little deep dig uh, on this nomination. <laughs> Matthew Wade. When he nominated this, uh, he... Uh, you can read his nomination. It's on the Facebook it is post. on the Facebook. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It no, was, you, we will be here for hours it, if it you read was, the whole thing. Uh, a little over 1,500 words. Um, I put it double-spaced it well in a document. Written. It was well written. it was written. a five-page document. It was well written. Very sh- well written. I'm sure you had one-inch margins I did. proper footnotes. Uh, <laughs> full APA. I pulled out uh, three paragraphs from right. it. So, um, remembering that Matthew's uh, 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 guest voter is uh, Zach, he starts off, at least the first paragraph I have here, is that Zach is notorious as Captain No, just as I am known for being the Pantheon Protector. Protector. In that sense, (laughs) we are perfectly matched, or balanced. I would say almost Mm -hmm. balanced, right? So, to win him over, I needed to put forth a film that is undeniably 
Pantheon. I first saw this film on a field trip for my 11th grade history class. There, in the darkness of the theater, I remember being transfixed by the images on screen, both those that were inspiring and those that were horrifying. When the film was over, I left the theater drained and stunned by what I had seen. I recognized Schindler's List as both a masterful film and an important historical document. Having watched it again for this Pantheon nomination, I still feel that way, but I am struck by how carefully Spielberg and his collaborators composed every element of this film. And then he went into full detail. Yeah, so like yeah. in every detail he talks about. And right. it's very well written. It's and, very and well written. Yeah. Above all, it is, a, it is a testament to Steven Spielberg's reverence for the material and determination to put it to film that Schindler's List stands as a masterpiece. A message of hope within the darkness and a grim reminder that, that despots can inflict hor horrific devastation if left unchecked. Beyond the acclaim, it is what I stated at this review's outset, an important historical document. As such, I hope that you can push past any trepidation and view it this way when watching it. I promise you that you won't regret it. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, uh, you know, like you said, it, it was a very well-written nomination, very well-written description of why he wanted to nominate this movie. And I, when I read his, uh, when I first read his nomination, this paragraph talking about, I first saw this on a field trip for my 11th grade class, I went to see The Hiding Place with I think a youth group like a, a church youth group as a kid and uh, I don't think that the youth group leader had seen the movie before taking us yeah. to the movie because there's some stuff in that that I was probably 12 or 11 years old that might have been a little uh, horrific a little dark for young yeah. kids even in 11th grade class I would feel uncomfortable taking an 11th grade history class to this movie especially in 93 yeah or when even if it was re-released when it was re-released i would feel uncomfortable because of of, of a couple the of reasons that well, there's like beyond the fact that there's a couple of sex scenes in there and there's some there's some which you incidental know, nudity where they have to you know change clothes or whatever but and, and the, then and then the old, random deaths yeah but the, but horrific yeah random deaths and and the deaths are so personal yeah, when they happen and impersonal at the same time, where it's it's like somebody is shooting a pillow, right, right. It, you or know, a it's so matter of fact where I'm just like, okay, I'm done with you. Or 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 like livestock. Yeah, and we're not talking gore. We're not talking. No, no, no. Uh, in terms was... of like, like, there's gore, but we're not talking like uh, it, it's not in color. So there's not blood splattering nope. everywhere with red gore everywhere. It's nope. just it's the it's the suggestion of through the black and white. Medium. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so uh, in terms of this film, <clears throat> talk about uniquenesses and challenges of this as a nomination. Well, how do you find this film unique? So this film, I think, is unique in terms of one, like Matt was saying, uh, like Matthew Wade was saying, that this is an important historical. Uh, look into like like it's a it's a historical document mm -hmm. um that yeah this would this was not this did not this was not a documentary where you had actually film footage but they went to locations yeah. and they shot in black and white to give it the feel they mm -hmm. dressed in the clothes of the time they recreated sets uh went to went to very you know uh far far reaches to get um 
interviews about how the things happened and who the people were so they could really capture the essence of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of it's unique as a film for being just uh, an important cultural touchstone. You know, if Steven Spielberg has a superpower, it's his uh, it's his it's almost like his insistence, his ability to tell a story in a way that makes you feel like, you know, for someone like myself, not only am I in the story, but I'm feeling what's happening in the story. Whether it's Saving Private Ryan or E.T. Yeah. Or, or, you know, Jurassic Park or whatever, you feel the way he does the storyline, the way he shoots it, the way that, you know, he insists it being put together, you feel like you're a part of it. Just like you felt the suspense when Hitchcock was doing Psycho, yeah. that you feel the dread. You feel it. When, when when Spielberg is there's directing. a guy and he's got a sniper rifle over his shoulders with his arms draped over it big you know? belly hanging and out stretching to the left and he's stretching to the right and you're like he's gonna sight on someone and take him out and I I actually wasn't I was anticipating the thing happening even when it actually didn't happen sometimes yeah. but then it would and you're just like you know you yeah. you, you feel it he 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 builds in that suspense. Um, and, and, uh, and he seems to tell stories in that way. So you can almost always guarantee, you're almost always guaranteed to have that experience watching one of his movies, turning it to a story like this, as opposed to, like I said, maybe Saving Private Ryan, um, a story like this, while you have the realism and that feeling, he's also telling, it feels to me, he's telling a story. It's like, this is a story that he's been told. Yeah. These are the feelings of my ancestors. And he's relating it. Now, I don't know, I haven't heard an interview where he's saying, this is how I'm connected, or my family's connected, or is or isn't. Oh, I don't he, know that. Yeah, he. I watched an interview where he was saying, like, me personally, we had some second or third cousins okay. off in Europe who were, you know, killed in the camps or went through right, it. Right, But it wasn't, like, my family right. Not direct. my grandparents yeah, or yeah, my yeah. great-grandparents. But even <clears throat> so, it felt like this story meant something to him and that he was trying to make sure that he yeah. got it down for the record. That's and, how it kind of felt. And when, when I was listening to him, that he was saying, like, my family never called it the Holocaust. We called it the Great Martyrs. Or we called it Shoah. Uh, what does Hebrew, that word mean? I, 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 yeah, oh, okay. Or, yeah, the, uh, the I can look it up. No, but that's fine. The, uh, but I but, get but, that. But but it, but for them, it wasn't the Holocaust. It was like a thing. Yeah, this thing that for, happened for his people. Right. Um, it, this movie is also a whole package: music, film, yep. cinematography, yep. storytelling, acting. Like it's like. As, as far as uniqueness goes, like, I mean, I, not unique like that other Pantheon movies don't do this, but this is definitely a total package movie. And it is shot beautifully. I was and scored beautifully. Right. I was trying to, yes, exactly. I was trying to find, that's why I said I went back and watched The Last Third. I was trying to find scenes where I felt like the acting, for some reason, didn't connect with every all the rest of the acting. I found one. Yeah. It's at the end, and it's where he's talking about, well, this car would have been twenty more people, or this ring would have been one more person, or you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he was going through this moment of like, why didn't I? Why didn't I sell more stuff for spend yeah. more money? And it's the only part of the movie where I kind of felt like, right? Okay. Why is this character now doing this? He's yeah. been almost this emotionless robot for most of the movie, but but maybe 
maybe that's where he was finally letting down his uh, shield. The character was letting yeah. down his shield because, maybe. like, like the the pressure was finally off, so he could finally he feel could finally the things. feel yeah. the things right where he wasn't trying to play the yeah, role. Yeah, no, I get that, and like the like, but otherwise, um, I don't find any other acting issues, yeah. and that's why I was trying to. say I didn't find anything else like that. Sh- Shoah means catastrophe. Well, there you go in Hebrew, by the way. So the catastrophe. So, what about challenges of this film? And by the way, can I mention the fact that we are on four films for this Pantheon season that have used black and white. That, uh, that Won't You Be My Neighbor wasn't in black and white, but it had black and white footage. A lot of it. But The Apartment, Psycho, and now this one. Right. All in black and white. So, I don't know right. what the council's up to this season. I don't know if it's a 2020 thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's a quinky dink. I'm, I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking maybe there's a theme. Yeah, going, going old school or something yeah, like that. Yeah, maybe. So, so, what would you say? Like, why so. is this a challenging nomination? I, I <laughs> to be honest with you, I thought about this for half an hour. I don't find a whole lot of things about this nomination to be challenging. Much like I didn't find a lot of stuff with Saving Private Ryan to be challenging. But of the things I can find, I think some people are not going to want. To, like you and I mentioned, we didn't even want to uh, go back into this movie again. They're like, hey, it's so you want to go watch a Holocaust movie yeah, with me? They're like, yeah. No, I, I think that's one. I think some people are going to be like, well, I mean, huh. you know, it's it's we, we know the story already. We don't want to watch a movie. We don't want to go through that. That's one challenge. The second challenge is that, um, and, and I can't remember whose review this was. Oh, it, I think it was one of the reviews from... Uh, the Metacritic reviews, they said that it they said that it felt a little bit like this was Steven Spielberg and his cohorts sort of just just grinding someone's face in a storyline. That's the wrong words. Those aren't exactly the words preachy. from the Yeah, maybe preachy, but sort of like we know the story. Why do we have to watch three and a half three hours yeah. and fifteen minutes of a story? Well, but we don't know the story because the story is not about the yeah. Holocaust per se, uh, as Ebert said. This is a this is a story about this guy, yeah, and what this guy did. I, I would say, like in terms of a challenge for the movie, that yeah. to be honest, it's a bit of a slog. Like mm. it's three hours and seventeen minutes. It was a whole evening. Honestly, this movie probably could have been cut down. I don't know that it would have won the awards it won, but as far as telling a story, he didn't have to tell a story in three three hours and fifteen. No, and there was like. There was there was definitely three giant acts in the movie where you had like the first the section where like things were starting to happen. Oh, he's a playboy. And then you had you had you, you moved on towards then moving them out to the camps, and then you had the Auschwitz versus the factory right. story. And at how the am end. I going to save as many as I can? Where he changes his mind yeah. and, and realizes that he has the opportunity that that they're actually slaughtering these people. And that not just moving him to a camp, and that he has an opportunity to save some. So uh, the somebody, not necessarily me, but somebody might say this movie's a bloat, a bit bloated. Yeah, uh, just like I can see the argument. We <laughs> early on in our Pantheon Companion series, uh, uh, at least I gave a little bit of uh, guff to um, uh, Boogie Nights because it was like what. It, it was just a little bit long. I don't know. I'm uh, thinking Boogie Nights could have been longer. Uh, yeah. Well, Bigger, longer, thicker, and uncut. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so some might feel like that. And then some, uh, I would, like, without saying that anybody on the council would feel this way, uh, and trying to be uh, without judgment at all, but there are some who might say, 
and like we saw in the hoi polloi views that this was so one-sided in terms of good and evil uh that not you know not just like nazis equal germans so that all germans are bad and all jews are good right and i'm not saying this is my belief but i'm that but there are some who are going to look at this and say the story is more nuanced than that sure um and then i would say that there there might be a select few who then say um oscar schindler was a more nuanced character than we got a portrayal we got a portrayal that was was quasi saint, but he was less than that in real life. Well, and you know, some could say right, quasi saint. Some could say he saved these people because without the people that he saved, he wouldn't have still had a business. But in the end, when you look at what actually happened, he literally gave away all of his assets. Yeah. In order to save, he didn't walk away from this. Yep. With a pile of money. No, and then at the very end, that they they in a tagline in the epilogue at the end, they said, "And Schindler went on to run three more unsuccessful Failed businesses his, and lost, his, and marriage lost his marriage." So yeah. yeah, so he he didn't end up being this big successful. He was not magnate. a saint. He lived a very high life through Acts one and two of this movie. Yeah, and after that, it was all downhill. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like his penance. So, like, and this is just one little, before we go on to the breakdown, there was one little insight when I was listening to an interview with Steven Spielberg talking about the 25th anniversary of the movie, Mm -hmm. and he had mentioned, uh, Lester Holt was asking him a question, and he said, what about the, you don't use color except for in a couple of places, in the beginning, the end, and then the red girl. The flame. And the flame. is yellow and red. The red girl's dress, and there's one scene with blood. Uh, I don't even know. I, I think that there's just the red dress and then the flame. And then at the end, there's a candle yeah. towards the end. Yeah, uh, where it comes actually, back. Actually, it's the same candles. Yeah. yeah. There's the end of the ceremony, the candles But he said, down. so what's up with the girl in the red dress? What does that mean to you? Right. And Spielberg said, you know, um, there's documentation about FDR and other people in the U.S. and in Europe who knew about the Holocaust happening, but it wasn't public knowledge. And they still hadn't been acting so they were kind of turning a blind eye to right. what was going on because they didn't want to get involved right and this in the movie the, I mean, the this, girl, is, this is happening today yeah. in countries oh, oh, where sure. this same thing is going on sure. we're not doing anything about it and the girl in the red dress was wandering around and the german soldiers while they're rounding everybody up seemingly are are not paying attention to her right and but she's this picture of innocence as she's just bopping along right um and then she ends up dead uh, at the at the end, and it's sad, and then it makes Oscar Schindler sad. But for him, it was kind of this metaphor of a global response to kind of putting blinders on. Yeah. Um, to that this atrocity was happening. The girl represents the red is the blood uh, that just spilled. The girl is the innocence. Uh, right. But I just thought that was an interesting little tidbit. In the midst of all of it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, breakdown, right? Yeah, let's do a quick little breakdown. Actually, you know what? Before we do that... We, uh, running the Pantheon oh, Companion, will occasionally get uh, a gift. Uh, we call them bribes. bribes. Yeah, they are yeah. bribes. They are bri- we have two bribes today. First one, uh, there's two copies. Now, this is the renamed version, so this would be the one more like based on the movie as opposed to... Based Schindler's on the Ark. Yeah, Schindler's Ark would have been a call. This is actually called Schindler's List, a novel. We each have our own copy of Schindler's List. Which, this, by the way, will go on my special shelf at home. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Along with my entire 
Steven Spiel, uh, Stephen and uh, the, King collection. Yeah. And yeah. and my Band of Brothers and uh, Saving Private Ryan books. And also the uh, uh, the Kubrick uh, one uh, from Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange uh, text that That's we got. Correct. We and also then also have... because in Schindler's Ark that they do drink peach schnapps. Peach schnapps. That, uh, that we have, and this this these are gifts from from the nominator yeah, Matthew from Mr. Wade. Matthew, yeah. Uh, so uh, we will go ahead and crack this open. Okay. Here we go and uh, and try some of yeah, this. Let's try oh some. yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, wait, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, got, oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. Then, oh, pour, pour me out Let's some, go. just a little bit. All right. Thank you. Okay. Oh, that's good. Oh, cheers good. to you. I've got it. All right. Here we go. And uh, to you, Matthew Wade, thank you for your thank uh, you, Matthew. bribe. For your beautiful bribe. Mmm. Mmm. Mm. Peach schnapps. Mm. <laughs> I'm always surprised at how clear schnapps is. You're like, oh, that's a flavor. It's a flavor. It's clear. It's clear. <laughs> and yet a flavor. But you know what? Peach schnapps, you mentioned this earlier. Peach schnapps is very nice. Blended with orange juice. Yeah, fuzzy navel. It's a fuzzy navel. Fuzzy navel. Uh, All right. Always, every time somebody says fuzzy navel, I, I always want to go... Like I have be belly button lint in my mouth. It's oh, sure. the weirdest thing. All righty then. Breakdown. Breakdowns. Uh, let's like give a rating. Let's give a rating. All right. For each one out of five, let's start with acting and casting. How do you feel about acting and casting for Schindler's List? A near five. A near five? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so too. I would say it, it's it's absolutely close to five. There was, uh, the, like like you had said... That I disagreed one... with his casting of the little girl in the red dress. I'm not sure why that... <laughs> I'm just joking. No, I, I actually can't think of anything that I would have, have changed Ex or any individual. Except for the, uh, the one scene at the very end. Yeah. With uh, Liam Neeson. Well, okay. Yes, okay, except for the one scene with Liam Neeson. I, I, I didn't quite get what they were going for there. I, okay, I take that back. I got what they were going for. I did not go with what they were going for in that scene. Uh, but other, other than that, uh, I, was, I was pretty pleased with it. How about the direction and editing? We've already talked quite a bit about direction and editing a movie. I think it's if it's not a five, it's, it's darn close. Oh, it's bar none, yeah. yeah. Uh, screenplay and story, we're in the same place here. I think it's it's tremendous. Now, again, the the only little the only little hit that I would give on it is that it uh that and I don't even know where it would cut, but it is just a tad bit like it's so long. long. Yep, right? Yep. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Um cinematography and locations. This is fantastic. Like yeah. it, like it, there was never a moment where uh, I thought that I was looking at a set. Right. It felt to me like they just went to where all this happened and filmed it there. Oh, now, yeah. I know that the insides of the factories and the offices were probably on a, a set at Universal. Uh, I, I'm aware of that. But I, I, I felt like I was there. Um, the, yeah. the and, and, and rightly, it, it won an Academy Award. Uh, Janus uh, uh, Kaminsky won won the award for cinematography on that. Yeah, and it, it, it's not just us that believes that these are in the five best picture, best director, best adapted screenplay, best original score. We haven't talked about score yet, but that's next. Uh, best film editing, best cinematography, and best art direction. These are the categories we've already spoken about. We're thinking that it's nearly a five on all of them. Score is next. We talked about John yeah. Williams' 
uh, score as being uh, as being fantastic. Want another little snoot of peach schnapps? I would. All right, I here we like go. A little snoot. A, a little snoot. Here Let's we go. Little... Oh, that's nice. Here oh. we go. Uh... So it's just it's actually it's not so bad. No. You know the second time is a little better than the first. It's very sweet, and I probably have diabetes now. <laughs> oh, you tickle. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so score. And then finally, special effects and notables. Well, and let's just go back to the score okay. for a second. Yeah, no, I'm and the music on it. Um, this is John Williams. Oh. And we know John Williams for his huge, huge. Big giant pieces that we we hear in Star Wars, we Just. hear in Indiana Jones, we hear all over the place. Yeah, and this score is so subdued, subdued, and pulled under, back under. Yeah. And not only so, uh, there were some big moments in music, but they were yeah. emotional tra- like transitions. But like and... I've been humming the tune, the the violin score, mm-hmm. uh, just in my head, and I've done it for for since '93. Like it's been in my head because it like it's it's just so haunting. Uh, John Williams uh, when when Steven Spielberg first showed John Williams a cut of this movie, Williams was so moved that he had to take a walk outside for several minutes to co- collect himself. And upon his return, he told Spielberg he deserved a better composer. Spielberg wow. replied, "I know, but they're all dead." <laughs> yeah, I know, John, but please, yeah. But and, and then also. The, and I don't have his name here, but the guy who actually did the violin mm-hmm. said that this was probably one of the most illuminating, best experiences of his, his performing life. Wow. That's yeah. a lot. That's a lot. And for special effects and any other notables in the film. So I think that uh, because the special effects in this movie were, were relatively sort of, they were storytelling. So if someone was shot, there was an effect there. Um some of the effects they did were uh, uh, how they set up things like smoke from the factory tops. Um, yeah, the, those the, sort the of ash things, that was coming the down. ash that was falling down. Uh, I, I, none of that was jarring. None of it was like, well, that's obviously, you know, against a blue screen or whatever. Well, and also, like, the way that they shot the bullet wounds... Like those were special effects. Everything was practical effects, and everything was yeah. um, like none of it pulled me out of the movie. Right, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, it didn't pull me out as like, oh wow, how they do that, right? It seemed to be just telling the story, as opposed to like special effects in Jurassic Park that are supposed to make you like, holy, there's actually a dinosaur standing there. How yeah. did they do that? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, this was all very practical. All right. <laughs> So, how about some uh, some little 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 tidbits about the movie? So, before before we go away from that, yeah, well, let me ask a clearinghouse question. Okay. On the movie, okay. Fair enough. Was there anything in the movie that we haven't talked about, an X factor or anything else that you you would say, yeah, I just, I I I couldn't get into it. Or I didn't like it, or like you know what I'm saying, like yep. like we we have a list, but there you know there's always an X factor mm. that's out there. Mm. Where when when we were looking at other stuff, when we were looking at apartment, 
right. even where right. we said you know like the, like on many different levels that this is a very good movie but there's just something about it so the the, the thing and the we thing weren't the only ones who said it comes yeah. back to comes back to Schindler himself and the character you know in the beginning uh, even though I knew who Schindler was supposed to be that he was introduced as like that guy across the room who's like the life of the party who's that oh that's Schindler and you're like oh oh but then not like that's Schindler oh and like exposition time it's exposition time and you didn't get that right you didn't get that instead it was like oh that's Schindler and everybody goes oh oh yeah 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 and then they moved on with the story and I'm like well wait no 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 wait oh you're moving on and then then you and then your next introduction to him is he's sitting across the table from Ben Kingsley's character and he's like yeah so here's the thing as you're Jewish you're not allowed to own anything but but I can so I need you to do the work and you do you guys. You have the financial. I'll get the money together. I don't have any money. We'll do all the work, and 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 then uh, I'll we'll make it work together. And Ben Kingsley's character is like fully fleshed out, like fully developed character of who he was and where he was in life and in the story. And he's like, "Yeah, but what are you doing?" And Schindler's response was, "Yeah, I bring the panache." Yeah. And the party, and then the panache, and then the thing at the very end with the crying. Those three parts, I, I can't say that I blame the actor as much as just like it just felt underdeveloped. I, 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 I wonder if Spielberg intentionally didn't develop that character. Well, and it was because the story starts now. Everything yeah. like everything before, like they hint a little bit like the marriage was rocky. They mm. hint at it. Mm. The businesses he had before were failed. Failed. They hint at it. Like, yeah, but everything was a hint, but it was just because like, well, we're doing this now. Right. So, cause this is the story. And you know, like how would he get the opportunity to just step in and take, take the profits from this yeah. company? War and crazy. Right. Anybody could have stepped in and did yeah. it, but he had permission yeah. to do it because he'd been uh, kibitzing and, and schmoozing with all these Military up, good, upper ups and so good on. Good job using a bunch of Yiddish words right there. <laughs> kibitzing and schmoozing. He was schwitzing and kibitzing and schmoozing. There was and, involved. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> People thought he was a schmeckle. <laughs> but really he was just a schmuck. But he was a but really at the end we learned out he was a mensch. He was a mensch. <laughs> right, exactly. All those things. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I'm just saying he he was doing all that work to set up the relationships. I guess that's how he suddenly had this position to do it. But I was just like, in the moment, well, even watching it just just recently, I, I somehow that skipped. It for was me. quick. Yeah, yeah, it skipped for me. How about so. how about this? Uh, Can't think of anything else. On the other side, mm. standout moments in the film for you, like things that you just. Really liked or really connected with. I love the fact that when he first saved anybody, he was saving Ben Kingsley's character. He went and pulled him off a train. He threw his weight around, used all he cashed in all of his chips he had built up, uh, and went and got him off that train. It was an impossible task. Even the Germans who were there were like going, "Yeah, no, that's not a thing. The door is shut. The train is moving. It's over with." Yeah, and then he was like. Uh, well, uh, you'll be spending some time in South Russia pretty yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. And, and so I'm just saying, you know, that moment was sort of like the first name on the list was that name. 
Yeah. And from that point was a transition point of the movie as well. But I, that was a standout part for me because prior to that, he was just kind of a wiener. I'm just saying. Yeah. He was. He wasn't. He wasn't a nice person. He was uh, womanizing. He would lie to his wife. He would. I mean, all the stuff. So, uh, so let me give you like four things that are Go in my it. head. Uh, one, just the creepy ass scene with with uh, Eamon Goat uh, and his his maid, where he was sexually kind of harassing her yeah. and like she was just shivering mm-hmm. and the fact that she was just shivering just like it, it made me shiver yep and the fact that then you were watching him hate himself for loving this person right who was in his head less than human less but, than but he was struggling with this concept of right. like i really like you and you are human but i have to believe you're less than right for this okay that was one uh, and I just like that the tension of that scene was huge. The shower scene was was gutting, where the women ended up in Auschwitz, and then they were stripped naked, and then they were sent at, where there to was there, there was there was they set it up beforehand with foreshadowing that we're going to send you to be gassed. They give them all soap, and they go in the shower, and now all the women are there because they were like, "That's not real," but now they're there. Um, and and even my wife was like, I, I have to leave the room. It's it was just, a lot. It, it's just too much. It was a lot. Vicky um, left. Vicky left as well when the commandant was. And I'm sorry if I stole your thunder. Was uh, getting up after bedding his wife or girlfriend, and was uh, picking up the rifle to walk over to the balcony to just choose who he was going to shoot yeah. today. That was too much. Or the other of the I pardon you, I pardon you. Yeah. And then. He just couldn't he couldn't live with himself. No. And then watching the kid walk away and the pan, camera pans past him, but you hear the last shot and right. then it pans kind of it, like Back as he's walking, you see the kid on the ground. Like that was just expertly shot and the, the dread. Like Go, Eamon Goth, Ralph Fiennes' character mm-hmm. is just horrible. Yeah, he was just terrible. He's just terrible. Um, and... Uh, there's, there's probably another one in there, but it's related to... I, and I can't can't think of it offhand but but again the that Eamon Goth is just such a good bad guy yeah. he was just so horrible there were very few moments of comic relief in the in the movie I realized it's because of the subject like matter trying to shoot the gun at the guy's head where that the guns was one, were going every single gun failed every he had three guns all yeah. of them failed and the guy didn't end up dying but but no the the Russian showing up and saying you've been freed by the Russian army, and they're Don't all go that there. way. <laughs> they're all sitting there, and they're like, "Okay, did you bring food?" I mean, it's just kind of like, "Yeah, yes, that's what you would say." <laughs> Not the "you've been freed" part. But... Where do we go? Uh, don't go that yeah, way. They go that hate way. you there. They hate you back in Poland. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't go, go back this to way Poland. either. They hate you there. I guess there's a town down the street. There's a town right over here, right? Yeah. Go over there. Like this was this weird sort of like very. I felt real moment, but also kind of like, <laughs> now what? You know? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. The and I did, and this is not a specific scene in the movie, but a mm-hmm. feeling mm-hmm. where I just was washed. And this was what the director was hoping to do. I was just washed over with a sense of, my God, how much can one people suffer? Right. And this was just a group of Polish Jews. This is just one small little group. They they took them from this one 
this one like, area and and yeah just watching them just the indignity and all of it comes back to the somebody somewhere chose this group as being the whipping boy yep. and saying they're going to be they we're going to blame them for all our problems let's all get behind it yep. and everyone saying okay i guess so right. and then the the the, the atrocity yeah. Uh, that went with that that went with it so and it's not my culture but i can tot like i can not totally but i can empathize with the or at least uh, uh just get a sense of the the weight and the magnitude of the suffering that a group of people has felt mm-hmm. in terms of the injustice and indignity yeah. and the and the movie did that i agree yeah i agree so uh, some trivia from the movie sure uh, the original missing list of Schindler's Jews was found in a suitcase together with his written legacy hidden in the attic of Schindler's Flat in Hildesheim in 1999. Yeah. So long after the movie was out, someone actually found this the material list. sitting in some attic. Yeah. Which is weird, right? Uh, Steven Spielberg took no royalties from this movie but put it all to the Shoah uh, Foundation which tells stories of Holocaust survivors. Mm-hmm. Together, the costumes for the 20,000 extras, the designers took out advertisements seeking clothes. As economic conditions were poor in Poland at the time, many people were eager to sell clothing they still owned from the 1930s and 40s. So they, they had 50 and 60-year-old clothing yeah. that they sold them so they would have Well, uh, And they were saying clothes. at the end of the movie, like, and this was that uh, originally there was 40,000 Jews in Poland, and by the end of the time there was 4,000. Actually, in 1993 when the movie was released, yeah. there were still, still only 4,000. There was 4,000 left, and there was 6,000 descendants yes. of Oscar Schindler, the, the Schindler Jews. Saved. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, there weren't 200 in that, this is on this list, there weren't 200 people in that shot where they walked and set stones on his grave. Um, but those were as many of the surviving uh, Schindler's Jew, Schindler Jews that they could get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, that was an idea that came to him mid-shooting, and then they had to kind of scramble to, one, find his grave, right. and then also find these people, which were scattered to the wind. Right. Uh, his so, wife was in that list, by the way. Yeah. Huh. Really? It was, it was either his wife or his daughter. No, both. Yeah. His wife... And his daughter. His wife was in a wheelchair. Daughter, or her, or her daughter, I guess, pushing it. Yeah, uh, his wife was the wheelchair lady. And yes. then, like, one of the ladies was Helen Hirsch, the maid to yes, Damon Goat. Yes, maid, right. Uh, so, and she was the one who, I, I do believe, when Survivor Mila Pfefferberg, uh, maybe it's not the maid, uh, that was Helen Hirsch. Uh, but when Survivor Mil- uh, Mila Pfefferberg was introduced to Ralph Fiennes on the set, she began shaking uncontrollably as he reminded her too much of the real Amy wow. Goth. Of course, she knew that's who he was going to play. And yeah, so yeah, that, yeah. That played in it as well. Harrison Ford, speaking of The Fugitive being up against this movie uh, for Oscar yeah. nominations, Harrison Ford was the first choice for the title role, but he declined, saying that some people wouldn't be able to look past his Indiana Jones persona to see the importance of the film. I think he's right. I think Harrison Ford as that character would have taken away from it. it, it yes, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, I really don't think so. Uh, I think he's so there. Um, the uh, the the person at the very end who puts the flowers on is Liam Neeson. Ah, uh, who puts the flowers on I the grave? I don't think they showed his face. Uh, Steven Spielberg was uh, allowed to shoot in Auschwitz, but he chose not to out of respect for oh. 
yeah. uh, the victims. Yeah. So he filmed outside of the gate in a mirror image of the real location on the other side. Something I wasn't aware of until until I read this uh, that you gave me is that Ben Kingsley's character, uh, Itzhak Stern, um, although Oscar Schindler did in fact have a Jewish accountant with that name, that role was expanded in the movie where he served as a composite of several accountants that, yeah. that, that he had. And it also helped to drive the story forward. I was mentioning earlier that he wasn't willing to let this person go. Not because they're the only one that would you know, save him money or do whatever, but because he had developed a connection with this man. And obviously wanted to keep him and save him by yeah. his side. For, you know, for the sake of the story, that it, and when, uh, I was listening to an interview with Ben Kingsley who was talking about like what was his narrative function in the film. Right. And he, he said, I wrote something on a piece of paper and I went to talk to Steven Spielberg to say, what do you think I am? Uh, and I have, a, I have my idea. And he asked Steven Spielberg and he said, you're the witness. Mm. And he wrote, and he pulled out a piece of paper and he said, I'm the conscience. But he because said between the both of them that I am not, I'm, I am both the witness to, like, I am the witness of the events and I'm the conscience of the people. Right. For, yeah. This is, this is going to sound disrespectful, but I mean, I mean no disrespect whatsoever. I always thought of Ben Kingsley's role as the cricket. Yeah, same thing. He's the cricket, you know. You know, Jiminy Cricket. He's Jiminy Cricket, and he's, you know, what I'm saying. You got this. You got this guy that's running around being a jackass and doing his thing, and the cricket's kind of grounding him and keeping him from completely going over the edge. So Steven Spielberg dropped out of Cal State. He did. Uh, Long Beach, <laughs> and then went back 34 years later to uh, earn his BA, and his film professor allowed him to submit. Schindler's, Schindler's List as his as his uh, student film normally required to pass the class, uh, <laughs> and at this point in the class had already won the Academy Award. So, so he's like, "So what are you going to submit for your student <laughs> film?" He goes, "I don't know. This one won an award, I guess." Yeah. He's like, "Do I have like, I, I, yeah, yeah, that would be a fun conversation." We had talked about uh, this this year being yet yet another movie that was with extensive use of black and white. This, in fact, is the most expensive black and white film. To date, yeah, and it it, it uh, prior to that there was uh, a film that was like thirty four years prior to that mm -hmm. that had the had and I can't remember which one it was, um, and if you're interested in any of this tri trivia, it, it came from the IMDb trivia list, yes, and you can read up on any of the stuff there, but uh, it had held that for, uh, up until this point. Um, Steven Spielberg is in the film; he has a cameo. Yeah. Uh, as one of the liberated Schindler Jews uh, of the hundreds crossing the field near the, the end of the after film. After the Russian says, it's, it's over there, the little town's over there, they all head off almost like in a line off uh, into the distance. So Eamon Goth at one point asks Schindler, who are you, Moses? Which is interesting because Ralph fiends. Yeah, fiends. Ralph fiends would later lend his voice to the Prince of Egypt in which he plays the Pharaoh letting Moses <laughs> go... And yeah. Ben Kingsley playing the title character of Moses. Yeah. Wait, wasn't wasn't this movie nominated for Pantheon? Yeah, and it didn't make it. We talked about we it then. Did. Pantheon Rejects. In Pantheon Rejects. You can hear right? about that. Find that one back the, there. So. And, and uh, like the film is not without like some controversy because once again, and we had mentioned that that these views exist out in the world that this was banned in a couple of several uh, Muslim majority countries. Yeah. 
Um, as being it, as unfair towards the Germans and overly sympathetic to the Jews. Right. Uh, which, for whatever reason, at the time in 1993, the administration that was in power in those countries mm-hmm. said, "We we need to hold, you know, toe the company line uh, on this one." So. Um, that was a couple of fun facts and things that are mentioned throughout there. Um, all right. Hey, voting time. Voting time. First of all, let's take a quick little pass at what we think uh, the AV Council is going to say before you and I vote and we reveal what our votes are. Um, Matthew Wade, I think, obviously would say yes. I think, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, Zach... Brown, Zach Appleseed Brown, Captain No, no. is going to say yes. I think really? he's going to say yes. I do. I think he might be marginal, like, well, it's close, but I'm going to say yes. But I believe that he will. Or is he going to be like, you guys are painting me into a corner nope. where I have to say yes, and I am so obstinate I that you. I'm going to be like, no, no, man. I think if you he, can't tell if me he what wants to, do. to say no, he will have his very own clearly uh, explained reasons for saying no, but I believe he's going to say yes on this movie. I really do. Well, uh, from the conversation that we had, it's like, at least for us, it's hard to point to a couple, to things that are negatives of this movie. Right. There might be. There might be some that we don't see, but he does. And and he does, but but the overwhelming majority of people out there in terms of critics and other people have said yes yeah, and like it. Pretty much. Um, the Facebook poll is way slanted towards yes. And not point. only that, but Matthew Wade is a very reasoned and calculating analytical person. I believe so. And has laid out a case for that if a movie exists that does kind of belong in Pantheon. Right. That this is one of them. I believe no more than two no's. Yep. No more than two. I'll, I'll, I'll put that on the record, that it will be 9 to 11, 10 to 11, 10, 10 out of 11, sorry. 9 out of 11, 10 out of so 11. So 9 or 10 out of 11, and, yep. I, and I'll agree with you on that one. You think one. so? Um, I'm usually overly optimistic, so, you know. No, no, like, I think it's in, I think the council will overwhelmingly say yes, but, right. we, but because there's always somebody... That we've been doing this long enough. There's always somebody. It's it, too long, so that reduced it by you know two tenths of a point, and or it's something else, or you know? it's too maudlin, or too long, or it, they don't like the, the the subject matter, or maybe they they truly feel, and in not an anti-Semitic anti-Semitic way, they truly feel that it's an unfair portrayal. I don't mean that that the Germans didn't do what they did. Yeah. I'm just saying because it's a one-sided story. Yeah. Uh, I just said the word maudlin. I hope you appreciate that. And I just want to make sure that uh, that I, w- I was just checking. It's tearfully sentimental, uh, often through drunkenness. I don't know. Like, <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> well, let's just say yeah. that there is a proportion of the Hennessy that is no longer in the bottle. It is not. <laughs> and it is in us. It is in my belly. As well as some of this peach schnapps. Peach Thank schnapps. you, Matthew Wade. Thank you, Matthew. And then for you, uh, what would you say? I will say yes. And I will also say yes. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody who's listening to listening any to the thing, right? Yeah. I mean, they could skip ahead and find out we said yes. But if they listen to what we said, we went through all the categories earlier. Very few things that would that would take it down. And, and the Facebook and poll kind of matches that. Forty nine say yes. Yeah. Uh, to five who are, who say no. Uh, Twelve need to rewatch. Eight haven't seen it. 
Um, and of those 20, I, if all 20 of those people watched the movie, I feel they would fall in those same lines around 50 to, 50 to 5, you know, 10 yeah. to 1. And, uh, and even though the Facebook poll is usually overwhelmingly yes. it Usually, but not usually, always. Not always. When, but, the, when the Facebook poll would, quote, go no, unquote, negative, it's usually a whole bunch of I haven't seen it, uh, you know. And, and the, the people who are responding are so few. That right. That it's easy to to go one vote one way or one one way or the other. Yeah, the last last couple votes were one vote one way or the other for the Facebook poll. Uh, so, what do you think? And we haven't. So we're 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 coming in towards the closing here. Sure. And you're running the show. Yeah. But uh, I'm in charge. You are in charge. You're driving, as I we am. say. I'm driving. The uh, so. Any thoughts in terms of. Um, the importance of this movie for its message um, of does it like does it teach us something about being humans? Does it tell us how to live today in our society? Uh, like like grand, you know, like grand thoughts here. Sure, sure. I think that if anything in this movie, and I hate to go with something so like stereotypical as hope, but that. That there is hope that even of the people who don't really seem to care about a situation, that they can be moved. And that even one person, while they can't solve the whole problem, you know, someone said, this is a movie about 200 people that were saved, not the 6 million who were slaughtered. But he did save 200 people. This one guy. Yeah. Through. Or six or whatever it was. He was helped. But I'm just saying through Mm. his using of his weight, his his, uh, energy... Ended up saving 200 people. And of those 200, there's now 4,000, 2,000 descendants. Or there were in 93. I bet there's more now. And so, uh, that something he did had such a long, long uh, reach. And that, you know, things that I do can have that kind of long-term effect as well. Either positive or negative. But there were so many people on the side of this story that were trying to do horrific things, they overwhelmingly outnumbered the the effect that they had, overwhelmingly outnumbered, overwhelmingly outnumbered the effect he had. But but if you compared it, yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's it's the metaphor of the candle light is still burns. Yes, you know it's the hope still burns. Hope is still there that there's still going to be people, and if enough people just did what they could, yeah, how much of an effect we would have. Well, the I wish you had gone second uh, rather than oh, first. Sorry. No, only only because the the that 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 uh, my grand takeaway was the dark side. <laughs> no, that's okay. Which is the other way of saying, you know, left to our own devices, unchecked, uh, that it is all too easy for people to move from being individuals to being part of a herd, who then other who engage in othering who 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 it's all too easy for any of us to be a part of a group who then looks at an outside group whatever it is Mm -hmm. and then dehumanizes them and if the power imbalance is unchecked is not checked by somebody who is coming from the outside to intervene is not checked from the inside by somebody who's undermining it that like left 
to our own devices that we are capable of just horrific things. horrific things which which in the movie people are capable of horrific things and people are capable of truly beautiful things and these are all potentialities that are part of who we are yeah. um, and and if we lead if we lead lives that are unreflected that we won't uh, we won't see the moments for beauty or we won't avoid the moments for horrificness so the, the you know that that this is I guess this is just like a, the it it's very important to lead lead a reflected life right. and keep our eyes open and, and 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 you know be the best of humanity rather than the worst of it. Yeah, and and you know what? It's okay if the only effect you can have seems small. If that's what you have, if that's what you can do, that's okay. He had to come to grips with that there at the end, where he's like, you know, I, I mean, I was actually adding lines to the thing to his. To his little bit where he was saying this gold ring is another, this car is like twenty more people, etc. I was adding lines, you know, like all the alcohol I drank. Well, that was like forty people right yeah. there, and you know what I'm saying. It, 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 but but he didn't do nothing. He did something, and something is always better than nothing, even if the effect seems so small. Yeah, I will say this: I haven't watched this movie since 1993, yeah, which doing some quick math is like 27 years. What is that? Uh, yeah, math is and uh, I may not see it for another 27. I may. I want to be honest. I might not watch this movie for a very long time. It's it 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 just it's it's so. <laughs> I don't want to say dark, but it just, it, it's so overwhelming. It, it, it hits me pretty hard. I thought when I had seen uh, Saving Private Ryan for the first time that I wouldn't watch that again. And I haven't become hardened to it. I've just learned to anticipate the positive elements that are in between all the horrific things that happen. And uh, I feel the same way about... about um, uh, a band of brothers. I thought you were going to say Boogie Nights. Well, Boogie Nights is the same way, actually, because <laughs> if you just wait long enough, Roller, Dur Roller Girl comes back on. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So, as always, I hope everyone enjoyed tonight's conversation. Dr. Diamond Doug, where can Video, video Land find you? You can find me on the Facebook page. On the Facebook page. And now that Purdue has gone all online, I have so much time. I'm going to be way too on Facebook for the next several months. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, you can find me on the Facebook page. I say you could find us on Purdue's campus. You might. You can try. But uh, we'll be there somewhere. But the conversation always begins and ends on Facebook for Adventures in Video Land. You've been listening to Criticism in its Finest Hour. Until next time, Videolanders, I pardon you. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel right about that awful. one at all. Right. Hold on. i got to rinse my mouth yeah, out with Hennessy yeah, on that no, one. Here, like, throw some peach schnapps in there. <laughs> how, well, how, how about this? All right. How about this instead? Okay. We, we love you. Wow. <laughs>